Good afternoon, guys. Center Sports coming back at you again here on Wednesday, February the 5th, 2020. This is episode number 50. I'm so happy that we were able to get to number 50. Thank you guys so much for your support. Thank you for following us on YouTube, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Anchor. Thank you for sharing our content and following us on Twitter. Everything you guys have done, we are so humble that we have this, this small but growing audience that's listening to the crazy stuff that we talk about. With me as always, my best friend Ben Nisman. Benny, thank you for being along for this ride with me. Oh, thanks for having me, Joe. What an introduction. How apropos that on episode number 50, we're talking about the hugest trade. This is probably the biggest thing that's happened this offseason as far as signings, trades. This is enormous right now. Shakes up the entire league. Yeah, we're talking the Mookie Betts trade, and it's more than just Mookie Betts at this point. We're going to break it down team by team here, and we're going to start with the team that is getting the biggest package here. It's the Dodgers. The Dodgers land their big fish. They land their white whale. They land Mookie Betts, and along for the ride with him is a former Cy Young winner and a World Series uh, legend in his own right, David Price. Now, Mookie Betts, Last year, he had 597 at-bats, 135 runs scored, 40 doubles, 29 homers, 80 RBIs, 16 steals, 97 walks, batted 295 with a 391 on on-base percentage and a 915 OPS. He will make $27 million in 2020. Along for the right. ride, David Price. But Ben, what are you thinking about uh, the Dodgers get Mookie Betts here? What kind of player is yeah, this? this? I mean, this is enormous. You just said his numbers on a down year, Joe. Mm-hmm. His, uh, his MVP year in 2018 when he batted, what, 350? So, yep. this guy is incredible. Number top, I, I would call him after Trout, for me at least, the best outfielder in baseball. So, you put this guy on a team that's already, you know, basically on paper, is set to win the National League. Put this guy, I mean, it's basically puts them over the top. Absolutely. Now, Dave Price, I mean, he's still a guy that's won two Cy Youngs in his career. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I realize he's had his issues in the playoffs, but he kind of got that righted in 2018. Yes. So say what you will about this guy coming in. I mean, what did the Dodgers really have to give to throw away Verdugo in the deal? I mean, I realize it's a rental. Maybe they're thinking long-term with bets. I mean, this is just huge right now. We were talking about how the Diamondbacks, after getting Marte, after getting Calhoun and Bumgarner, maybe that could make them compete in the division. And then, you know, the Dodgers just say, nope, just stay right there. We know what we're doing here. And they bring in one of the best hitters in baseball. Absolutely. So I think, although it's a rental, he's gone at the end of the year, seems like a no-brainer for me. I they just put themselves in such a huge position to potentially, especially now that you see Paxton going down for, for what, four months or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you say potentially on paper, Dodgers favor to win the World Series. Yeah, yeah. And along for the ride with Boogie Betts, like we talked about, is David Price. Now, last year he had an injury-plagued season, 22 starts, 107 and a third innings. He went 7-5 and five with a 4-2-8 ERA, a 1-3-1 whip with 128 strikeouts, 32 walks, and 15 home runs given up. The K per nine sat at 10.7. The walks per nine were 2.7. 
and the home runs per nine were 1.3. David Price will make $32 million for the next three years. Now, that's a whole lot of money, right? That is $59 million just this season that the Dodgers took on. But the great thing about this for them is the Red Sox are also sending, and I'm quoting here, considerable cash considerations are going from Boston to the Dodgers to cover this. So they get Mookie Betts, they get David Price, and they get money. And what else happened in this deal? Because it's not just the Red Sox and the Dodgers in this deal. The third team to come into this is the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins acquire former Dodger pitcher Kenta Maeda. And Maeda last year, 26 starts, 11 relief appearances, 153 and two-thirds innings. A 10 and 8 record with a 404 ERA, a 107 whip, 169 strikeouts, that's 9.9K per nine, 51 walks, that's three walks per nine, and 22 home runs, that's 1.3 homers per nine. He'll make $3.125 million for the next four seasons in Minnesota. What a steal. Yeah. Wow. We what talked about Minnesota this off. Such a good, yeah. he's a very, very underrated pitcher. That guy's a baller. But those numbers, I mean, clearly this guy is really adapted to the major leagues well. I think this is huge for the Twins. Makes I, I, They needed another starter to go along with what they had because Barrios was not going to be enough there. No, and we talked about the Twins coming into this season, how they needed to get more pitching. And they went out and they signed Homer Bailey, and they went out and signed Rich Hill, and they, they brought back Jake Odorizzi on the qualifying offer. But let's be honest, none of those guys are really – the, the world shakers that Garrett Cole no. and, and Madison Bumgarner were. They missed out on, a, on all of those guys. But instead, they went out and got a whole bunch of number threes to back up Jose Barrios, who, at, honestly, I don't think he's an ace. He's a number one, but he's not an ace. So you've got Jose Barrios as a number one or a number two on some really, some really good teams, and then a whole bunch of number threes to back him up. That's a pretty solid rotation. It's not going to be. Right. It's not going to be. You know, the Yankees. Well, when Paxton's healthy, you know, it's not going to be some of these other top top rotations in the league. But he's going to be a serviceable guy. And again, I don't think there's going to be any more of this Kenta Maeda pitches. You know, in in the rotation until about August, and then all of a sudden gets shuffled to the bullpen anymore. You know, there there were a lot of uh, a lot of lucrative uh, incentives in his contract for inning totals, and the Dodgers were were manipulating that both with the IL and with the relief appearances. I don't think that happens anymore because I think the Twins are saying, you know what, we've seen what this guy is capable of. We like him as our two or our three starter in this rotation. Let's see what we can do here. Let's make a push. We're gonna try to win this thing because they've got a very very competitive Central. And they're going to have to come back with another strong season now that the White Sox have, have ramped up their team as much as they have. Right. Well, they need to make a move like this. To actually, I mean, they make the Donaldson move. That's huge. That mm-hmm. makes them better offensively. But we were still saying they're pretty short in that rotation when you have to look at guys like Dobnak and you don't even know what you're going to necessarily get out of a kid like that. Right. So you just got to gotta hope that you get... Uh, a number three to number four type of year from Jake Odorizzi and get a motivated Kenta Maeda in a new new environment. And Target Field is a nice pitcher's park. I mean, so is Dodger Stadium. So it's, you know, it's a a coin flip there on what's going to be a better and 
I think it only helps the Twins. Agreed. Agreed. And then we get to the Red Sox. And what do they get in return for sending off a top three player, three or four player in baseball, and a top three pitcher in a rotation? What do they get back for this? Well, you hit on it earlier. They get Alex Verdugo. Now, Verdugo last year was in a platoon role in right field for the for the uh, L.A. Dodgers. He had 343 at-bats, scored 43 runs, hit 22 doubles with 12 homers, drove in 44 RBIs, 4 steals, 26 walks, 49 strikeouts. He hit 294 with a 342 on base percentage and an 817 OPS. He is under team control until 2025. They're getting five full years of this kid under team control, and his first arbitration happens after the 2022 season. You get him for a pretty good amount of time, mm-hmm. and you get him in 500 at-bats, see what he really is right. when he, he's not in platoon role. So I, I think it's huge if he is really it's supposed to be what he's expected to be, which is an everyday player. I mean, that remains to be seen. Once he gets a full season under his belt, he could be exposed. So, I, I mean, in, in regards to what they're getting, it's kind of, in a way, they're throwing away money mm-hmm. to the Dodgers, right? They're not getting a prospect back, really, unless you consider Verdugo a prospect. And well, they're throwing away what, you know, they know they need to get something for bets. Or, you know, I, I don't know. You can argue that with the team they had on the field, they can make a run for it. They could. Maybe. I mean, maybe they feel like they're just not even close to the Yankees at this point, and they don't even have a manager yet. Yeah. So I find that to be very fascinating, that these moves are still the most critical to take care of to make sure that you shed the money of what the money that you did shed to David Price, and then as well to get Mookie Betts off your hands, and you don't even have to de- you know, delegate any time to bringing in a skipper yet. Right. So it's interesting where their priorities right now are, and uh, it's just fascinating right now where it puts the Dodgers because I, I, that that lineup right now is so scary, and there's so much depth there that didn't even need to get moved. I mean, you look at what the Red Sox could have potentially gotten in this deal. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that they could have gotten at least a prospect, maybe, and then even move more of the money from Price. Right. So that they can get a better prospect instead, or more prospects. But I guess they liked Verdugo. I think they do too. And Verdugo has said in interviews in the past that he grew up a Red Sox fan. He grew up watching the teams with David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, Dustin Pedroia. You know the teams that broke the curse. He grew up watching this. So for so for him, this is part. This is part of a homecoming. He's going to get to play for his favorite team growing up, and that's the dream of every kid who's ever played Little League. Along with Verdugo, from the Twins, the Red Sox get a pitching prospect by the name of Bruzdar Gratterall. What is a Bruzdar Gratterall? Well, this guy came up late in the season last year. He was on the postseason roster in a relief role. Had 10 relief appearances, only had 9 and 2 thirds innings. I'm not going to go over those numbers with you. But what I will go over is what he did in the minors last year across three different levels. He was in rookie ball, double A, and triple A in 2019. He pitched 18 games, 11 starts, 61 innings, a 7-0 record, 
1.92 ERA and 0.98 whip, 61 strikeouts, 23 walks, 3 homers. The guy's, uh, the guy's repertoire is a four-seam fastball that tops out over 100 miles an hour. This guy throws absolute gas. He throws a sinker in the upper 90s. He throws a slider in the high 80s and a changeup in the low 90s. This guy is an absolute beast on the mound. Now we just have to see if he can put it all together and keep these pitches under control because you look at those walk totals and you don't necessarily like them. You know, 23 walks over 60, 60 innings, it's about, that's, that's, that's a bit too many for my liking. However, he's still young and if the Red Sox can turn him into something, if, he if they turn him into a starter, that's amazing. But for me, he, he pictures more as a closer. And if he's going to be the closer for the next five or six years, it's a great get for the Boston Red Sox. Is this a guy that's old enough now to break in this year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he made it to, like I said, he was on the postseason roster for the Minnesota Twins this year. Um, so I would imagine there's absolutely no way he's not breaking camp with this team. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The question remains where he's going to end up, whether he's in the rotation or whether he's going to be in the bullpen. Um, that remains to be right. seen. He's only 21 years old. He won't be 22 until August. So there's plenty of time for this kid to, to develop. Um, you know, he's, he's not a free agent until after 2026. So they've got all the time in the world to develop this kid. With that, let's take a look at what implications this means for the day-to-day -day lineups and rotations of these teams, right? We talk, you, you, you hit on it a little bit earlier, Benji, that this Dodgers lineup just got ridiculous, and I couldn't agree more. You're looking at a lineup that Roster Resource is putting out right now as Mookie Betts leading off, Max Muncy at first, uh, Justin Turner at third, Cody Bellinger in center, A.J. Pollock in left, Corey Seager at short, Will Smith behind the plate, and Gavin Lux at second base. And the thing about that lineup is that it goes righty, lefty, righty all the way through the lineup. One through it. Right. Yeah. And that Corey Seager is batting six. Uh, which correct. is great. The, the one thing that I wonder, and I'll ask you this question, is does, number one, the fact that Mookie Betts is now playing in a pitcher's park, number one. And number two, even though on an incredible lineup, still batting behind a pitcher spot most of the time, do these things hurt his value going into draft day when we're talking about fantasy? Not a chance. Not a chance. To me, this absolutely bumps him into that top tier. We just did the outfielders episode, and I said that Mookie Betts sat at the second tier, top of the second tier. To me, this bumps him. It still keeps him at four underneath Acuna and Yelich and Trout, but it bumps him into that top tier. I would be absolutely thrilled to get any one of those four guys at this point. The thing about Dodger Stadium, you said that it's a pitcher's park, and you're right. It's not as small down the line as, the, as, as Fenway Park. You can't play Pepper off the monster now. Sure. You know, it's po possibly just 
a fly ball to left field every time now. Right. So it's definitely a different environment to hit in. I know that for sure. And it's going to take adapting to. Also, adjusting to National League pitching has always been a thing. I don't know. I realize the game has changed a lot. And this three batter rule is going to change it even further. Mm-hmm. But even still, it's still an adjustment that he's going to have to make. And also the fact that, again, I think that there's always, if he has been batting leadoff, and if he is going to bat leadoff, there's always been a much more competent hitter batting ninth than he's going to experience playing in the National League. It's going to, If he's going to be leading off, Unless it's a pinch hitter coming up in front of him, it's going to be a pitcher. It's going to he's going to have to have more work to do with two outs, possibly with guys in scoring position. Sure, and that's accurate. But the one thing I wanted to hit on with the ballpark that uh, that I don't think anybody's thinking about: where's the deepest park of, part of Fenway Park? Uh, right field corner. The it's in center field. It's the triangle. That's four hundred and twenty oh, right, yeah, feet away, right? Oh, right. So. Yeah, he might not be able to play pepper with the left field wall, but a lot of those center field strikeouts are now, or center field flyouts are now going to go out of the park. So you take and you give a little bit here. Uh, I think I think Betts is still in for a huge season. Yes, I'm, if you want to split hairs, you can talk about the fact that he's going to be hitting at the top of a lineup with the pitcher in front of him, but. I am not concerned in the slightest with his run run totals going down. You know, I think. I think it's possible his run production, his RBIs, will go up from the 80 that he had last year. Because, again, that was a down year, and he still drove in 80 RBIs for the second straight season. I think he can get right, back but to... but who's he going to be driving in? The number 8 and number 9 hitter? Sure. I mean, why not? You've still got know. really talented dudes I, I, at 7 and 8 in, in Smith and Lux. I'm going to assume that he gets to maybe 90 RBIs. Maybe. Yeah, but that, that's that fair. would be that would be that would be awesome. You know, I would think it's going to be something closer to eighty. I just, I, I, I don't know. It's just I feel like if you really want to execute this as best as possible, I know that uh, Turner has to be in the t- at least number two or number three in the batting order. Mm-hmm. But I would put Betts and Bellinger next to each other in the lineup. And figure out to see if you can have someone else lead off. Yeah, Dave, Dave Roberts that would can tinker such, with that. Right. I mean, if you have Pollock maybe lead off, it, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He's done that before with True. the Diamondbacks. So have Pollock lead off, then go with Turner, then Betts and Bellinger. I think that's potentially more dangerous. You group Betts next to a guy like... Seager, even though Seager does strike out a lot too, so maybe not him, but like to put him in front of Muncie, and Muncie just strikes out a bunch. So I don't know. I think the best way to execute is maybe go with Pollock in the leadoff spot and put Betts next to a superstar. Okay, I I, I can understand that logic. Here's what I'm gonna do. One of our one of our 2020 bets this season. I'm gonna give you 88 and a half over under Mookie Betts RBIs. I'm going under. Under 88 and a half. All right. And again, the qualifier is minimum 500 of bats. Under 88.5 RBI. And obviously my mood will change if we find out he's going to be the cleanup hitter, the number three, and that's what Roberts is planning on doing. But I don't know. That remains to be seen. 
15. He might play with it for a while. Yeah, that's completely realistic. Let's take a look at this rotation for the Dodgers too, which definitely changes with the with the absence of Kenta Maeda and the imp, the imp, implementation of uh, David Price. We're looking at a rotation now of Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, David Price, Alex Wood, Julio Urias. Uh, they've still got a bunch of young kids. Uh, Dustin May, Dustin May, uh, Tony Gonsolin's still there. You know, there's there's still plenty of plenty of uh, of players to to fill in that that rotation. Um, we're not right. even talking about Jimmy Nelson, who they signed. You know, they, they've got, they've got guys that are going to do exactly what they've done in years past, be able to just fill the rotation. And perhaps they still go along with this IL stint, even though it's changing this year. When you put a pitcher on the IL, it will be 15 days. So we might see less of it, but I think we still see it toward the end of the season. So going into 2020 now, you lose Stripling, you don't have Maeda anymore. Mm-hmm. So to me, this rotation, the depth of it, isn't as formidable unless a guy like Dustin May can take the next step. Mm-hmm. But Kershaw's health is always in question yep. to me. And Bueller, we know he's a star. Oh, yeah. But this is the third year, right? So we got to see it again. Yeah. It's still. It's still, I mean, two years, it's a good enough sample size for me to know we can both agree he's a star. Oh, yeah. But even still, you know, that down year, it could come. The league could always adjust. Sure. So our expectations is for him to be the ace of the staff. Mm-hmm. David Price is what David Price is at this point. Right. And then you go from there. I mean, what is Alice, what are you asking from Alice Wood? Uh, uh, Urias is still a question mark to mm-hmm. me. So um, the depth is comes a little bit more in question. Obviously, they still get better by making these trades, but it's just it's one thing that we can argue now. It's a little bit more of a question mark than it was before yesterday. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that this rotation is still going to be incredibly formidable. I think this team is a shoe-in for 100 wins this season. Let's move on to the Minnesota Twins, whose rotation does change with the addition of Kenta Maeda. They now sit with Jose Barrios in the one, Odorizzi, Maeda, Bailey, and Randy Dobnak now lines up as the number five with Rich Hill on the DL. Michael Pineda is uh, is suspended for 60 games, so he's going to be out for a bit. You know, once they get those guys back, you're going to have an interesting rotation of guys here that... They're all, nobody's an ace. There is no, you know, there is no Walker Bueller. There is no Chris Sale. There is nothing like that in this rotation. But what you do have is a group of guys who are all twos and threes. And I think that there's something to be said there. You know, the the, the Chicago Cubs did really well with their groups of group of twos and threes. You know, the likes of Cole Hamels and John Lester and Jose Quintana and, and, and you Darvish on a down year, you know. I guess Hendricks you'd throw in there. Yeah, yeah. So this is very similar to that, and I like that, considering that this offense is going to, you know, give plenty of run support to these guys. Right. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And is the more arms, the better. And like we said before, if Kenta Maeda is a rotation piece now, it only makes that better because it pushes everyone back. Right. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Odorizzi. Um, I know this kid, Dobnak, he, he's got decent stuff, but to ask him to be in the front of the rotation 
team is asking way too much. So the more guys that you can add, if if you get something from Pineda, and you know, in 60 days, yeah, I, I would assume that he is part of their plans at some point during the season. Great, that's just another arm for them. They need everything at this point to repeat in the Central because those tailhoes are coming. They made mm-hmm. a ton of moves. They only got better. And right now, still on paper, even with this Maeda move, I, I would still consider the White Sox a better team on paper, but they'd still have to uh, overtake the champs. Okay. So you got that going for them. And so, then as far we'll as another depth that. piece, the Minnesota Twins did sign Yulis Chassin. So he's going to be there if they need an emergency start. And he's another guy that's, you know, he used to be fairly decent. You know, when he was in Milwaukee, he was pretty good and was able to eat some innings and put up some decent numbers. So if you need him in right. an emergency start, or maybe he's even the five-starter coming out of camp and you keep dobnacking the minors. Right. That's uh, That would be ideal if he could, if they could do that because the longer that you can develop dobnack, the better. Mm-hmm. But potentially you throw Chassin in the bullpen now, right. which has been a strength for that team. Mm-hmm. So throw him in, maybe he sets up in front of Rodgers, who knows. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got I, I Rodgers, mean, they've got Romo, they've got Trevor May, they've got Tyler Clippard. You know that 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 bullpen is pretty pretty decent out there. But again, there's not right. that there's not that name that jumps out at you because no. Minnesota Minnesota just has that has that on their pitching staff. It's a bunch of guys who are really good, but no name is is jumping off the page and going, oh yeah, that guy's amazing. You know, right? But Barrios is what twenty eight now. Uh, he's twenty five. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good for their future that you have this guy for a while. Yep. And how long is Maeda under control for? Uh, Maeda is, uh, they've got him for the next four seasons at just over $3 million. That's awesome. That's an amazing I mean, that's, after, after spell, throwing out what you did for Donaldson, mm-hmm. you needed a move like that. Yeah. You know, it's just something that's very affordable and very reasonable and a hell of a talent. So. Yeah. Yeah, the rotation gets much better now. And they have a really, really amazing offense. Mm-hmm. And I just think now, you know, you add Maeda, it's, do you it, have it any puts concerns, them on a different pedestal. Do you have any concerns with Maeda moving to the AL? Um, in, in a sense, I do, just because the division does have a lot of heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had a play in the desert. Arizona. I mean, there are there are some benefits. I think in playing in Target Field. Sure. So I think just I think he's definitely going to be a better home pitcher than the white pitcher. I mean, that's not really bold prediction, but that's just what I think. Right. Okay, and we move over to the Boston Red Sox, whose lineup is still in flux, right? I don't think Verdugo is going to be the leadoff hitter, but that's what roster resource is saying. I think they only did that because they're replacing, you know. Mookie Betts at the top of that lineup. But their lineup will be something to the effect. Alex Verdugo in right, Rafael Devers at third, Xander Bogarts at short, J.D. Martinez as, as the D.H., Andrew Benintendi in left, Michael Chavis at second, Mitch Moreland at first, Christian Vasquez behind the plate, and Jackie Bradley Jr. in center. I ask you this, Benji. Who's leading off for the Boston Red Sox in 2020? Well, I think it's wise to Jackie Bradley Jr. at number nine. I'll say that right there, that we've seen him really produce in that spot. Mm-hmm. So maybe you do give this guy Verdugo a chance to lead off. Maybe you give it 
to change this. Uh, at this point, I, I listened to you well off, off those names, and I, I thought I, I heard a pretty talented lineup. Yeah. I heard a, ta- a lineup that's going to win ball games this year. I don't think it's anything to sneeze at. I think Christian Vasquez is coming into his own as one of the better hitting catchers in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. I think Moreland, although sure he's on the older end, he's still a good veteran to have, and he's a solid lefty hitter. So I think this is a pretty decent lineup. They can still compete for a wild card as it is. Yeah. But, yeah, there's, uh, are there question marks? Of course. But you could have a much more disappointing lineup than that after giving up a Mookie Betts and to still come up with you know some of these guys that are extremely talented, like a Bogarts, who's still one of the more underrated shortstops in baseball. Yeah. We know how great J.D. Martinez is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, across the board, it's still a very talented offense. So, will they miss bets? Of course, right? But he was gone at the end of the year anyway. So, they got what they, they got their man. They obviously like Verdugo. They wanted him as a part of the project. Yep. And, like I said, it'll be interesting to see who leads off for this team. Um, I don't have a favorite either. Uh, but it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe it is Verdugo, but... I think I think if I'm honest, it might end up being Jackie Bradley. Although I agree with you that he should be batting at the bottom of the order. Right. Well, and I think you take something away if you put Bogarts up there. Yeah. Because no. then I mean it just it does it gets a little thin as it goes down the lineup. If you have Bogarts batting third or fourth, it makes the lineup a little longer. So that's why you might just want to have him, especially as he hits so many doubles. And yeah, I I don't know. It's 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 a tough call, but. Whoever that manager is, he's going to have a fun lineup to play with. But the, the, the Red Sox, they have some real issues right now because they they still don't have a manager. I mean, yeah. how close are we to pitchers and catchers reporting and they don't have a manager? A couple weeks away, so, yeah. They're, they're going to need to find somebody and find somebody quick. If we look at their rotation, man, this is another thing that concerns me, right? So it's Chris Sale off of, a, of an injured and bad 2019 Eduardo Rodriguez, who had a really nice 2019, Nate Evaldi, Martin Perez, and either this kid that they got, Bruzdar Gratterall, or right now, Roster Resource has a guy by the name of Matt Hall as their fifth starter. I don't even know who that guy is. No, me neither. And that's it. That's as far as their depth goes. There's not even There's any nobody on the DL. There's nobody in the minor leagues that, that I can point to. Chris Meza. Former Mets prospect, they they picked him up on on waivers. He's in the minors. No, um, I have no idea. I mean, you're asking a lot from Martin Perez, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I think you're just asking Martin Perez to eat innings. I think that's all you're asking him to that's do. That's what he does. I yeah. mean, that's what he does, but it's just not quality. It's not going to help you win ball games. Right. right. I, it's certainly not a number four starter. That guy needs to be a number five or spot starter, basically. Okay. You're trying to win the damn thing. Especially, but, yeah. I mean, Nate Evaldi, I, I respect the fact that he came from it. I thought his career was done a few years ago, so mm-hmm. I always respect it. It turns out that it, Eduardo Rodriguez might be a star. He might be really that good, but mm-hmm. we have to see it again. He's a question mark going into next year. Agreed. And then Chris Sale, like you said, it's a disappointing year. If I'm thinking on the law of averages, if he's healthy, he's going to be fine. Yeah, so I think so, too. So he still be an ace. He's still one of the best 10 pitchers in the game when he's on. So And fantasy-wise, you are getting you are getting one hell of a discount on Chris Sale this fantasy season. Yeah, absolutely. And he 
mm-hmm. and he gave me enough of a season for me to win a championship, even yeah. with his injury. When I put him in, it was still I was confident he was going well over double digit strikeouts, mm-hmm. and I knew I was getting that from him. So right. when you talk about Chris Sale, you still put him on this pedestal and say when he's out there, he still can win the ball game by himself. So yep. they have that. Yeah. Whoever this manager is, he's got a talented group of guys here. It's just it's fascinating that they don't have anyone yet. Yeah, we'll see who they end up signing, but that's going to put a bow on that particular trade. But don't worry, there's more because the Dodgers weren't done wheeling and dealing. And they went across town to Anaheim and said, hey, we now have have an abundance of outfielders and we need to free up right field for this gigantic star that we're bringing in in Mookie Betts. And the Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels, they agreed to a trade. In principle, it hasn't fully gone through, and there are still some pieces yet that are moving and, and, and yet to be named in this thing. But the, the long and short of it is that the Angels have acquired Jock Peterson, Ross Stripling, and 19-year-old Dodgers prospect Andy Pages. The return so far is only 22-year-old prospect Luis Rengifo. Now let's talk about Jack Peterson's 2019 for a minute. Jack Peterson had a breakout season. First of all, that home run derby matchup with Vlad Guerrero is something I will always remember because that was incredible. Oh, Fun. Just uh, when you, whether you're a baseball fan or not, if you were sitting and watching that, you were having a good time, and oh, you yeah. were not going to turn off that until it was over. And the ending, of course, was. You know, near and dear to both of our hearts. Agreed. But just that whole show was arguably the best home run derby of all time. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about Jock Peterson's 2019 because he had 450 at bats, 83 runs scored, 16 doubles, 36 home runs, 74 RBIs, a steal, 50 walks. 111 strikeouts. He batted 249 with a 339 on base percentage and 876 OPS. He is, however, going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So this basically they they supplant the fact that they're going to lose Jock Peterson and plug in one season of Mookie Betts for the LA Dodgers. For the Angels, this is a guy that's going to play right field. He's going to spell uh, Albert Pujols at first base. This is exactly the type of guy that I thought the Angels would really like to get on this roster. Yeah, I think this is just an awesome guy to just put in there now to just add so much more power to the group. Mm-hmm. And these numbers that you're throwing out, like over 35 bombs, this is in a platoon role. Mm-hmm. He wasn't hitting against left-handed pitching. So I wonder if Madden will give him a chance. I wonder if he's going to be the everyday guy there in right field. I think he does. Or is he going to be, huh? I think he is. I think he's going to be the right fielder, and on days where, he'll be the right fielder on days that Shohei Otani is batting, and on those off days or days that he's pitching, then you put Pujols in the DH spot, you move Jock Peterson to first base, and you fill right field with either Brian Goodwin or Joe Adele. And there's your playing time. Right. And we, and just, you know, I'll say that adding another outfielder is exactly what this team needed mm-hmm. because, to me, the health of Justin Upton is always in question.
question. So you need just another guy just in case, right. you know, who knows. I agree. So you need to have that other guy for depth, whether you're having him in a platoon role or not. You just need another outfielder. And a guy that plays decent defense out there. Yeah. So, you know, you keep him in Los Angeles, and I, I think it's just a good marriage there. I think it just makes them so much more dangerous. They added Anthony Rendon. Now you put Jock Peterson in this group. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at this lineup now, Joe. You'll, you'll spit out the names, but they I look was, pretty lethal. That was exactly what I was about to do next. This is the best Angels team we've seen in 8, 9, 10, 12 seasons. It's been quite a yeah. while since we saw a Maybe good Maybe since that 2002 team. championship team it's that possible. had Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon, mm-hmm. uh, Brad Fulmer, David Eckstein, Darren Erstad, Troy Gloss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm giving you enough, but yep. you get the idea. Yeah. Scott Spezio. <laughs> uh, Jared Washburn. Uh, oh, you want to throw John Lackey? Sure. John Lackey as a rookie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a good team. It was a good team. Here, here's the lineup projected on roster resource right now. It will be Jock Percival. <laughs> we want to keep going with this? I actually, funny story, and again, we're going to digress here because I don't care. I actually watched Game 7 of that World Series just recently. And the way that they were able to keep men off, of base, off base in front of Barry Bonds was amazing. Right. Anyway. I kind of remember that they had their... They had their backs up against the wall. I think it was game five, and they actually had to come back pretty late to actually put them in the position. Did they? Did um, the Angels have the lead the whole time in game seven? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was one one, and then uh, I forget exactly how they how they scored it. But yeah, the Angels. It was never. It was never in doubt in the late innings. It was four one from like the sixth inning on. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, 2020 projected lineup for the LA Angels. Jock Peterson leading off, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon. On DH days for Shohei Otani, he will bat fourth. Justin Upton, Albert Pujols, Tommy LaStella, Angelton Simmons, Jason Castro. All of a sudden, this lineup's really long. Yeah. And you're a big fan of Adele. You didn't yep. even mention his name in there. He's not even so he's not even projected to be in the majors to start opening day right now by roster resource. And that's... Do you think that's the right decision? No, but I can respect the idea that a kid who is not even yet 21 years old needs another year of seasoning in the minors and Jock Peterson's on a one-year deal. I can respect right. it, right? Give him one more year in the minors, let him tear up AAA... And if anything happens in the outfield, Justin Upton misses some time, you've got him to call upon. Speaking of which, what's the rest of Justin Upton's contract? Ooh, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a massive deal. Like uh let's see. Justin Upton, who is, by the way, only thirty two years old. He will be wow. 30, yeah, he'll be shocking. He'll be thirty three in August. Um Justin Upton's deal is another three years. Another three years. He makes $21 million this year, $23 million in 2021, and $28 million in 2022. He's a free agent after that at 35 years old. Yeah, not the, not the easiest contract to get out from under. No, no. It is, if they were to try to move him, it would be very difficult to do. You'd probably get a very minor return, or you'd have to put a bunch of money into it. 
It's not. Right to hell with it. I mean, he's 32 years old. He's yeah. still basically in his prime. You roll him out there if he's yep. healthy. And you got a really nasty lineup. I'm interested to see if you can get. I, what's the over under that we can throw on Shohei Otani in at bat? Because I feel like having him consistently in the lineup every day is part of the machine that needs to work here with everything that they have. Let me take a look and see what uh, what what Steamer has projected his offensive numbers to be this year. Um, pulling that up right now. Um, but what do you think they're going to be? I would imagine if he gets 300 at-bats, it would probably be a good season. 300 to 350 would be solid. Um, right, they have a lot more. They have him somehow at 560 at-bats, and I don't think that – or 560 plate appearances, uh, 490 at bats, I don't. I don't think he gets anywhere near that number. I would, He'll never DH on a day that he's pitching. They'll never let him do that. I, I would you? No way. I mean, you do it in the every team in the National League does it. Yeah, uh, I, I guess you have a point. I guess you have a point. I'm just saying. I, I, I understand that it's hard. That, and when, but I think Joe Madden has enough tools that watching, he doesn't have you to. You and I have been watching the National League. Since we were little kids, we never really think about it because we're not expecting the pitcher to hit. And any time the pitcher starts out, we're like, okay, that's what we were expecting to happen. But now if you put this guy number five and whatnot, it's not exactly the same thing. He needs to be a pitcher that's pitching that day that can hit. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a little just a little different of a dynamic. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that at you, the fact that, like, every other freaking team does it that's in the National League. So you're telling me this guy can? I guess not, but... I'm assuming you're right that they're not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's his first season back from the Tommy John surgery, right? So they're probably going to use kid gloves with him when he's on the mound. Um, right. You know, only pitch him one day a week. I certainly hope I get to see him on the mound when I'm in L.A. in April. Um, but that remains to be seen. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I, I think Joe Madden is creative enough a manager where he won't have to utilize Otani as much. But there again... Anything's possible, and and I guess you're right. It, it's it's completely realistic that he's the DH more times than not. That just means you're putting Albert Pujols at first base a lot, right? But you know Joe Madden, he loves to play with every toy possible. Mm-hmm. He'll put shortstops in left field because he can. Right. He did that all the time with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what kind of stronghold he can have. On Otani, what they allow for him to do, but I, I would assume that he's going to utilize him in any way possible. But even still, I'm like you said, one day a week. I'm questioning whether you're even going to see over 20 starts out of Otani this year. I mean, it just—it's weird how they baby these players right now. I mean, back in the 80s, they—you know—they just—they just pitched. You know, it just didn't matter. Right. So I, I realize you the longevity I understand is coming back from a major injury and a major surgery but I mean if the dude was able to hit all year I, I think that he should be able to hit in games that he pitched but I assume that they don't do it but at the same time you never know with Joe Madden yep we'll see I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'll say that much the rotation is even more interesting for the Angels because again they're going six deep with Otani in this rotation and before this trade was announced, I didn't really care for what this rotation looked like. It was very much like the like the Twins, but instead of having a whole bunch of twos, you have a whole bunch of threes and fours. 
right? You've got Julio Tehran, Andrew Heaney, Ross Stripling now, Dylan Bundy, Griffin Canning, and Shohei Otani. How do you feel about that rotation? I'm not excited about it. But Neither. I see the I see the potential in Heaney. Mm-hmm. I think that that guy could be a decent pitcher. You know what you're getting from Teheran at least. You know that he's going to get you the innings that you need. But, I mean, who knows? Guys like Dylan Bundy. And I tell you, the, the loss to Tyler Skaggs, it not only hurts them you know, as a team and their morale, you know, and a good guy, great guy in the clubhouse apparently, but just the talent on the field as well. Like, he was going to be a major part of their plans as well. So yeah. really, really tough tough loss in many, many ways for them. Yeah. Right now you look at their rotation, it's not pretty. Yeah. You know, Their offense they're, is going to have to just slug them into a lot of the wins. Mm-hmm. I can see that being the case a lot of the time. But you got to assume in every single season there's that one guy that's like the Garrett Richards that steps up and becomes the guy for the rotation. I'm yeah. sure that's going to be the case here. Yeah, and as far as depth is concerned, they do have some kids in the minor leagues that are that, that should be ready to come up. guy like Patrick Sandoval, who we saw last year, Jose Suarez, who we saw last year, Dylan Peters, who we saw last year, Jaime Barria, who we saw last year. And there's a name here that I think is really interesting. He's a former Braves prospect. Now, the Braves... They had so much depth at, at starting pitching when it came to their prospects. Luis Gohara got a cup of coffee at the in, 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 with the Braves a couple of years ago and flamed out. And they cut him to make room for, I think it was Shane Green at the time. Um, he has now landed in AAA with the, with the Los Angeles Angels. And if he can put things back together, I think he's a guy that can go that can be a bit of the future for them. He's only 23 years old, so that's a name is to Dylan. To, Dylan Peter is going to be part of their plans. Yeah, I mean he's 27. He's in he's in AAA as well. So I mean he's in that group that I that I talked about. Right. Okay. I mean it's something. Mm-hmm. I I I already know my your my answer to the question. I think I know yours, but just listening at, to this rotation you threw out. Is it more important for Otani to be a pitcher or a hitter this year? It's really important for him to be a pitcher this year. Yeah, their offense, yeah. their offense is pretty good. You know, Rendon, yeah. Trout, Upton, Jock Peterson. Now they've got some, they've got some good hitters. They've got the best team, the best offensive team around Mike Trout that we've seen in a long time. We really sure. need Otani to be. If Otani can come out and be the ace of this staff, then you're in the driver's seat. But that remains so Fletcher. So Fletcher is not considered is a starter on their team. No, he's he's the he's the utility guy right now. All right, can you get can you throw out Fletcher's numbers in 2019, please? Sure. Because I'm pretty sure that this guy has earned himself a starting role. Okay. I, I don't know what he has to do. Uh, you know, I, I realize he's a kid, but come on, yep. what else do you want from him? 25 years old, 596 at bats last year, uh, hit 290 with a 350 on base percentage and a 734 OPS, 83 runs scored, 30 doubles, six homers, 49 RBIs, eight steals, 55 walks, and only 64 strikeouts. 64 strikeouts and almost 600 at bats. That's correct. Okay, uh, I like Tommy Lastella too, Joe. But come on, I mean, are we? What are we talking about here? Yeah, we're talking about a guy who was on his way to a breakout season before he 
you know, got hurt and missed the rest of the season in Tommy LaStella. I think there's I think there's going to be a battle. I think spring training, you'll get to see exactly who's going to be the guy at second base between Fletcher and LaStella. I don't think that this right. is locked in stone. I think that they're both going to compete for this job. But LaStella's, what, 30 years old now? 31. I don't know. I, and to my, in my opinion, it's Fletcher's job to lose, uh, despite what all you know these websites are saying and what's project, who's projected to be the starter. To me, this guy showed it. How many strikeouts over that many at bats? The runs, uh, you know, eight steals. Uh, come on, it's, it's so apparent to me that this guy's a starting player. Okay, uh, Tommy Lastella last year at at age thirty, uh, two hundred and ninety two at bats. 295 batting average, 346 on base percentage, and 832 OPS. 49 runs scored, 8 doubles, 16 homers, 44 RBIs, 20 walks, 28 strikeouts. These are good numbers also, but mm-hmm. but I feel like Fletcher, over a larger sample size, batted 290. Yep. It's just, yeah. I, I mean, you had as many at-bats. Lestella is also a free agent at the end of the year. Well, you got to play it out then, I guess, just to show what his value is. And then maybe you move him. Maybe you move him at the deadline for something. You know, if, if, I mean, if he's playing well, though, and they're playing well, they're not going to move him. Right, right. They're just going to go with him and yeah. try to win the whole thing. Yep. They also the, the the Angels also acquired Ross Stripling. Let's run through his numbers, and then I'll get to what uh, what the Dodgers may be getting back in return. Uh, Stripling in 32 games and 15 starts with 17 relief appearances, pitched 90 and two-thirds innings, went 4-4 four and four with a 3-4-7 ERA, a 1-1-5 whip, 93 strikeouts, 20 walks, and 11 homers. He'll make $2.1 million in 2020 and is arbitration eligible for 21, 22, and 23. Someone to consider in the rotation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. I, Another guy that's near and dear to my heart because he helped me win a fantasy championship yep. last year, as did Kenta Maeda. Mm-hmm. All these guys that are just solid for the Dodgers. And this guy hasn't really gotten an opportunity. So with all those different names that you've thrown out there with the Angels rotation, I think it's critical to give this guy a shot. I agree. I agree. And I think he slots in nicely. I don't even think that there's so much of a um, a need for a one through five designation because Otani's right. pitching every at once a week. They've already right, stated right. that he's only going to pitch once a week. So the rest of the games, one through five, does it really matter? Because Otani Day is every Saturday, let's say, you know? Sure, sure, sure. No matter what, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just helps that for a guy like Dylan Bundy, though, mm-hmm. you know, who just now doesn't necessarily need to be as good, or a guy like the Heyron. Right. You know, these are kind of like your throw-in rotation pieces a la, no offense, uh, Rick Porcella and Waka, mm-hmm. these are, you know, similar types of guys that you're saying, okay, they're the back end of the rotation, and if you get something huge from them, that's only bigger for us. So exactly. So we'll take it. We'll take it at this point. I think it's similar with a guy like Bundy and it's a Heron, and give this guy Stripling a chance. It just it moves everyone back a little bit and puts a little less pressure on them. So I like the move. And I think the underlying guy that I don't think anybody's going to talk about is Griffin Canning. He had a really nice 2019, and he's only 23 years old. He's going to be 24 during the season. I think this is the kid that that you need to watch who could be that kid who's going to step forward and be the surprise of this rotation. You know, last year in 
uh, 18 start or se- sorry, 17 starts. He had a 4.58 ERA. That wasn't very good in 90 innings, but 96 strikeouts. You know, that's that's a good number to have. I think it, yeah. he's a high strikeout guy, young kid. I think he's going to adapt. Right, and a four-five is certainly tolerable if that's you breaking into the campaign. You know, exactly. if that's if that's the first thing you're showing in 90 innings, you can live with that going forward and see if you can develop them. Agreed. Going back to the Dodgers is a young man by the name of Luis Rangifo. Rangifo came up through the uh, through the Angels system last year very very quickly and found himself playing second base after Tommy Lastella or um, yeah after Tommy Lastella went down. Uh, Rangifo played three uh, hit was had 357 at bats, hit 238 with a 321 batting average, a 364 uh, I'm sorry a 321 on base percentage, a 238 batting average, 685 OPS, 44 runs scored, 18 doubles, seven homers, 33 RBIs, two steals, 40 walks, 93 strikeouts. Uh, he will be 23 this month of February. And is under team control through 2023. Now, obviously, this is not the only piece going back. There are other prospects, and I have a list to speculate about. But is there anything you want to drop in about Luis Rangifo? I was wondering, I'm assuming he's getting paid nickels and dimes right now. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, Right. Let's take a look and see what he's making this year. I would just assume that right now, before any other pieces are into this deal, I'm just thinking that the Dodgers needed to shed two million somewhere, and they said, "Okay, you know, Stripling is the guy who's going to make two million. We get to shed that real quick with this trade." Yeah, I mean, they shed so they that, shed seven actually because Jock's making another five. Right, right. But I'm saying just from Stripling, you know, Stripling yeah. as well. So yeah, I mean, right there, boom, he drops seven. That's that's great. Yeah. You know, and I think that's enough of a reason to do it mm-hmm. since you're bringing in David Price, since you are bringing in Mookie Betts. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah you got to find ways to shed the money somewhere. So uh, it's too bad that they can't have Stripling as well because we're talking about their rotation and it is a little bit thinner now. But mm-hmm. even still, I mean, what a dangerous team going forward. So. I guess yeah. I guess they just they needed to move the money somewhere, and there's too many guys now. I mean, Jock doesn't necessarily fit in right now. That you got Mookie Betts in there, it's just harder to find playing time for him because I'm assuming Kike and Chris Taylor are still going to be a big part of the plan. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to be the utility guys that'll fill in and pinch hit, you know, when they're needed. Right, and Kike Hernandez had like 30 home runs a couple of years ago. Yeah, and Chris Taylor he, he hit, hit 20. Something like. Chris Taylor hit 20 in 2017. Like, they've got a little bit right. of pop in that bat. No, absolutely. No, these are great bench guys, and you can argue that they're starters on other teams. Yeah. So, I mean, even though both of them were kind of in platoon roles, and I get it, Kike does strike out a good amount, and, you know, he's he's not going to light you up on the batting average. He's still, he really, I mean, did he have, what, 18 home runs last year? I mean, he's, he is what he is. You know that you can get potentially 20 home runs from yeah, no, he's he's certainly a, a versatile player. He's got a ton of uh, a, a ton of position, position eligibility. eligibility. Exactly. Yeah. Last year he hit Five seventeen home runs. Like he had twenty one in twenty eighteen. You know, never he's a two forty one lifetime hitter. He's never going to be you know a guy who's going to contend for a batting title. But as a defensive replacement or a guy that fills in so that somebody can have a day off, he's certainly serviceable enough. 
Right. Or a pinch hit, like, you know, the pitcher is up. Yep. And on second and third. And yeah, and you need guys out. like that in the NL. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, he was great. Uh, having him, having Chris Taylor, these are great bench guys to have. Okay. Just, I mean, it's it's just good that they, you know, they move Verdugo, they move Peterson, but they're able to keep these other guys that are potentially very helpful for them in 2020. Agreed. The final thing I want to hit on is some names that may be going back in this deal, but it's only from my opinion. I have no, I have no sources or anything to that nature. Uh, just a couple of names out of the Angels farm system that may be in this deal. Uh, the first is Jemai Jones. He's a second baseman that has been playing in Salt Lake for the last couple of years. He has some error issues. His bat hasn't been all that tremendous, but there, but he was a high, highly uh, drafted prospect. And with, you know, David Fletcher. Proving that he could take this job at second base for the future, I don't necessarily see why this kid can't be a part of that. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, a pitching prospect I talked about earlier, if they're looking to to, to solidify that rotation around Shohei Otani, maybe Sandoval doesn't fit. Uh, another starting pitcher deeper into their into their system, Aaron Hernandez, not that one. Uh, the the he's a he's a deep prospect, but again, he's a young kid, could be somebody to 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 deepen the farm system for the Dodgers. And finally, they've got a uh, two-way player, a first base outfield and left-handed pitcher, Jared Walsh. Maybe could be uh, something that the Dodgers would be interested in. But those are just names I'm throwing out. No no source on that. Yeah. That should, that should cover it. I think we've got everybody involved in this thing. We covered all the lineups and rotations. Benny, this has been a fantastic episode 50, man, to 50 more. Yeah. Without question, at least 50 more. Unbelievable doing it this long with you, man. And just, this is such an incredible trade. What a shakeup for Major League Baseball. So, more to come. Can't wait until pitchers and catchers report. We are so close, and I just can't wait any longer, man. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much once again for giving us all the support that you have over our first 50 episodes. We thank you so very much. If you're listening on Spotify, Anchor, or Stitcher, Go ahead and give us a follow and share it with your friends. You know you want to talk about this Mookie Betts trade with all of them. It's such an incredible, historic trade. For those of you watching on YouTube, thank you once again. Go ahead and give us a subscription. That button's going to be right here. And check out our last episode. It was a short little uh, short little video about James Paxton and the implications of his surgery. That one's going to be right here. Thank you again for, for watching. And until next time, it's been real, it's been fun, and it's always real fun in the bigs. We'll see you next time.